Hello, and welcome to another short box from Warhammer 40K's Grim History from Beyond. I'm Zekthar, and this week we'll be discussing an important person in the Horus Heresy. This week we'll be talking about the worst of the worst, the first chaplain of the word bearers, Erebus. <clears throat> now the galaxy of Warhammer 40K is filled with villains of nightmarish propositions. Some brought to villainy through acts out of their control such as the pirate king Luftorum, to those that chose to turn from the righteous path to become the bane of the living, such as Typhus and Fabius Bile. Then there are those that were simply born with a black heart, and no matter what they were taught, or who tried to help them, they would never change. These villains have no character arc. They're evil, simply because they think it is fun, or whatever twisted reason their mind has always thought. Erebus is such an individual. The boy who would become Erebus was born to common parents on the world of Colchis in the late 30th millennium. Even at a young age, he felt it was his purpose to manipulate, deceive, and sow discord amongst the other children as well as their parents. He felt a thrill testing his own limits with such immoral acts, which as a boy first manifested in his teasing and torturing the Colchis desert scorpions. His parents often scolded him for his troublesome behavior and lack of education achievements, like his peers, comparing him in particular to a boy who was the pride of his village, a highly religious and studious child named Erebus. Now, taking his parents' advice to be more like Erebus, perhaps a little too literally, the boy strangled the more accomplished child with a garret and replicated Erebus's facial tattoos. Taking Erebus's identity as his own, the boy departed his village and became an aspiring priest of the Covenant of Colchis in the planetary capital of Varadesh. Erebus cared little for his religious studies at first, but gradually began to appreciate their spiritual insights. One day, he saw his face reflected into four parts within a cracked mirror, and he realized in that instant that the gods of the Covenant, who were actually the ruinous powers, had always been with him and guided his actions. Erebus became a devout servant of chaos thereafter, mastering the tenets of the old faith of Colchis, which had been always simply yet another of the myriad guises of chaos worship. When the covenant of Colchis fell to the control of Lorgar and his followers, Erebus went into hiding for a time before re-emerging as an acolyte of the Primarch's new direction for the faith. When the Emperor arrived on Colchis, Erebus was already well aware of his threat to the Chaos Gods as the being they named the Anathema, and was the only mortal on Colchis not overcome by his glory and psychic aura. Instead, Erebus felt exhilaration at seeing the man he knew that he would one day bring low. As a servant of Lorgar, Erebus was among the young Colchagians, who was transformed into a space marine of the Imperial Herald's Legion and the first intake of the native Caucasians shortly thereafter. By the time Lorgar renamed the 17th Legion the Word Bearers, Erebus had already set into motion the Dark God's plan to stop the Emperor from initiating a new golden age for humanity that would see their influence greatly diminished. At the end of the Great Crusade, Erebus held the prestigious position of First Chaplain of the Word Bearers Legion. He was a fearsome and intimidating Astartes warrior, with whole sections of the Book of Lorgar tattooed across his shaven scalp to terrify his enemies. 
But when Lorgar grew angry with his father, after he and the 17th Legion were chastised on the world of Cahir with the destruction of the perfect city of Monarchia for trying to spread worship of the Emperor of Mankind as a divinity across the galaxy, Erebus was ready. He explained to his master, alongside Lorgar's foster father, First Captain Kor Ferron, that there were other entities in the universe that were more than willing to accept his worship and the worship of other humans. Several solar decades before the outbreak of the Horus Heresy, Lorgar, Corferon, and Erebus had fully corrupted the word-bearers to the service of chaos, even going so far as to erect temples to the dark gods on every world they brought into the imperial compliance. Before long, the ruinous powers sought to act through Erebus to set their plan in motion to destroy the Imperium of Man and the greatest champion of order in the galaxy, the Emperor of Mankind. What follows next we discuss in our Vox on Horus, but to give you the skinny, Erebus attached himself to the Loon Wolves, became an advisor to Horus, slowly corrupting the Primarch until the dealings with the Serpent Lodge. After this, he helped with the betrayal of Esfon III, and afterwards, Erebus remained with Horus throughout the Horus Heresy, acting as his dark spiritual advisor and co-conspirator. Erebus, however, only ever truly served the Dark Gods of Chaos. Erebus later proved instrumental in the aftermath of the Battle of Kalth, when he successfully summoned the Rune Storm, the Great Warp Storm that effectively split the Imperium in two for the duration of the heresy. This would prove vital for the traitors, as it kept Rubuti Gilman and his Ultramarines, Sanguinius and his Blood Angels, and Lionel Johnson and his Dark Angels, along with countless other regiments of loyal Astartes from reaching Holy Terra. Now, during the Shadow Crusade, and if you want to know more about the Shadow Crusade, check out my Voxes, The Battle of Kulth, and The Battle of Kulth Part 2, The Shadow Wars. Erebus manipulated the powerful word-bearer Tal through a series of events that led to his death, when Erebus, per usual, viciously stabbed his Thame dagger into the Crimson Lord's back, killing him. This was because the first chaplain foresaw that the commander of the possessed Chaos Space Marines, known as the Gal Vorbach, and the Vakral Jal, would prevent the World Eater's legions, first Captain Karn, from achieving his ultimate destiny of becoming the Blessed of Korn. Such a fate would ensure that the traitors lost the war against the Emperor. As Karn and Tal were close comrades, Erebus was nearly killed by the World Eater once he discovered the first chaplain's hand in his friend's death. Erebus was viciously beaten by Karn before being forced to teleport himself from the World Eater's flagship, the Conqueror. Erebus again suffered humiliation after the Battle of Cygnus Prime, which had been another of his plans to corrupt one of the Loyalist Primarchs, in this case Sanguinius, of the Blood Angels Legion. Now, fear not, folks. This is a very important part of the Horus Heresy, and I will be doing a full Vox on this in the coming weeks. But to get back to our story, Erebus had been warned by Lorgar that his attempt would fail as Sanguinius would never turn against the Emperor. But he had convinced Horus to order the Blood Angels to Cygnus Prime anyways. Following Sanguinius's victory over the demonic forces that infested the Cygnus Cluster, in his anger, Erebus arrogantly blamed Horus for disrupting his plan to convert the Blood Angels and Sanguinius to the service of Chaos. Enraged by the word-bearer's insolence, 
Horus flayed Erebus's heavily tattooed facial flesh from his skull with his own athame. Eventually, Erebus's face regenerated slowly, but now horribly mutated. Later reappeared to dispatch a force of word bearers under Valdrek Elias and Barthusa Narek in order to acquire the Fulgrite. Now, we discussed this in the Vox John Grammaticus, and if you want a better description, feel free to check it out. The short and sweet version of this tale is after Elias attempted to betray Erebus, the chaplain reappeared in person on Treoris to kill his apprentice, give John Grammaticus the Fulgrite, and allow him to leave with it. Erebus by this point had been banished by both Horus and Lorgar. Erebus by this point had been banished by both Horus and Lorgar, but still viewed himself as the Shadow King of the Heresy who was closest to the Dark Gods. Now, during the later Heresy and Siege of Terra, Erebus assumed a variety of disguises and infiltrated both sides in order to fill his agenda. One of his most notable disguises was the Wordbearer's Apostle of the Unspeaking, who proved key in the ritual to opening the way for the traitor Armada to emerge on Terra during the last stages of the Solar War. He eventually appeared before Erda in her small home in Marohania and offered her the chance to join the forces of Chaos. When Erda refused, Erebus summoned all four types of the greater demons. In a furious battle that followed, Erda was able to slay all four of the monsters, but was badly weakened in the process. Erebus again offered Erda the chance to join Chaos and demanded she worship him. Erda spat in his face, which caused a disappointed Erebus to stab her with his anatheme blade. After the battle, Erebus sensed that Erda had aided John Grammaticus and old Persons group and sought them out again. All of this is covered in the longer bonus box, John Grammaticus. Now, Erebus next appears to ambush Alanius's group atop the wall of the Imperial Palace. Wielding Anuncia, Erebus was able to kill Zybus, Crank, and Graft, while wounding Leetu and John Grammaticus. However, in desperation, Actia unleashed a blast of psychic power, which brought down the wall, burying her and apparently Erebus in the rubble. However, Erebus later emerged unharmed aboard the Vengeful Spirit, coming face to face with Abaddon and his warriors as they sought Horus to defend him from the Imperial boarding action. Abaddon, engaged in his own battle against maddened word bearers upon the corrupted vessel, was enraged at the sight of Erebus and blamed the Dark Apostle for all that had befallen his legion. However, Erebus was uninterested in a fight with Abaddon for obvious reasons. Like, he enjoyed living, and as a token to friendship, used Anuncia to calm the word bearers opposing the sons of Horus. Erebus aided Abaddon in the ensuing struggle against Constantine Valdor and his custodes in order to reach Lupercal's court, using warp magic to allow the Jesterian to wound Valdor. However, they were too late to aid Horus, who had already been killed by the Emperor by the time the group arrived. Finding Garveel Loken, Watching over Horus's body, Erebus murdered him with a stab in the back as Abaddon reacted to this betrayal in horror. Erebus explained that demons are created in moments of supreme treachery and cruelty like this, and that Loken's death will create an echo in the warp that would eventually create Samus, who set the entire chain of events leading to the heresy into motion in the first place. Erebus stayed with Abaddon aboard the Vengeful Spirit as the traitors retreated from the soul system. 
he eventually met up with his own word bearers legion and fled with them into the warp, where he has stayed for some 10,000 years. Now, Erebus is currently a dark apostle of the word bearers trade legion and a member of the legion's dark council, the ruling body of Sicarius, the demon world ruled by the word bearers within the Eye of Terror. Erebus is engaged in a near-constant struggle with his ancient rival Kor Faron for control of the word bearers as the Legion's demon Primarch Lorgar remains locked away in deep meditation with the Chaos Gods and has not directly taken a leadership role in guiding his Legion in centuries. Personally, I, I think he's actually hiding from Korvax, but regardless. Now, Erebus did make a return to material space during the 13th Black Crusade of Abaddon that is spoiler and 999.m41, Erebus led an army of word bearers across the Cadian sector, sacrificing millions of human captives to summon a vast army of demons to assault Imperial forces at the Cadian Gate and across the rest of the sector. Now, I hate to say it, but unlike everyone else I've discussed in these short boxes on characters during the Horus Heresy, Erebus still lives and is yet to be slain. Now, perhaps Corvus Corvax will catch up with him in the warp, as he's hunting for Lorgar. Or the lion finds him and puts an end to his terrible tale. Honestly, I wouldn't care if it was even a simple orc that runs into him and drives his axe through the blackguard's skull. Just as long as he's dead. The fact that this piece of crap is still alive amongst the living is an insult to everyone that still draws breath. <sighs> well, I hate to say it, that's all the time we have for today. Join us next week as we discuss another one of the Mournival, Horus Axemon, the Regretful Traitor. If you enjoyed this box, please like, follow, subscribe, and comment. Also, feel free to check out our shop, where you can get some merchandise from the channel. Have a great day. And as always, <clears throat> until next time, this is Zekthar, signing off.